0: Welcome to the Big Kickoff Football Podcast with myself Roy Shanahan and from TheBigKickoff.com it's Nathan Doyle and Peter Moore. Now it's transfer deadline day so we'll be discussing the ins and outs throughout the game and who were the winners and losers in this window. After being trounced 6-1 by Spurs at the weekend, Manchester United fans directed their anger towards Ed Woodward and the lack of recruitment this summer. The Jadon Sancho deal has been going on. Well, it seems like it's for the whole of 2020. So, Nathan, how have Man United made such a mess of this transfer?
1: Well, it's it's just in the nature of recent years, to be honest. Like that's what's going to happen when uh, when you don't have a director of football at the club, and it's. It's just frustrating, you know, like it's, it has been a very frustrating uh, transfer window as a Manchester United fan. It all this promise of Jaden Sancho coming in and it was like, even the longer it was a wind. you sort of knew deep down that was, it was just not going to happen. And personally, if it was if it's not going to happen in this window, I don't think it will happen. I think uh, Sancho is going to stay at Dortmund now. And Dortmund have so many good young players in that team. They will more than likely have a successful year. So there's going to be more suitors that's coming in for Santo next season, which is going to make it increasingly difficult for a club like Manchester United and the the standard and the level that they're at at the moment to really entice them to come in. But it does, it all really, for me, it all comes down to just the lack of a director of football at Manchester United and having someone like Ed Woodward, which has a proven tactical record going into transfer markets that he's tends to hold out and hold out as long as possible and negotiate. And a fairness to Dortmund, they said to Manchester United, they gave them a price and they gave them a deadline. And it could have been very cut and dry if they wanted to go that way, if they really wanted to splash out and spend big on the player. Which, by all I can, he's 20 years old, he's, he's a huge prospect, but it obviously wasn't something they were willing to do. They wanted to negotiate and get the price down a little bit and sort of see what Dortmund meet their demands but yeah, simply for me it comes down to the fact that it's just they need a director of football in, in a club that can really have experience and that can really spearhead these sort of moves going forward
0: Yeah, Peter, if the weekend told us something we already knew it was that Manchester United centre-backs are not really up to scratch and now today for £18 million pounds, they have arguably let one of the best centre-backs that they have in the club in Chris Small and go to Roma
2: I think Manchester United literally wanted to put all their eggs in one basket and try and sign uh, Jadon Sancho. Obviously, that isn't going to happen, uh, uh, you know, through this window. And I agree with Nathan probably the next couple of windows as well. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you're right. You've only got to look at the weekend action, and you know very well that defensively wise, they are pretty poor at the moment. Yes, they are struggling. Uh, you're right. You know, why on earth they get rid of a good centre back like that? I, I, it. it it happens beyond belief, to be honest with you, uh, Roy. It really does. And, and when you consider the the guys that they reckon may well be coming in on today's transfer deadline day, i.e. the likes of, uh, obviously, Cavani, um, Porto's uh, left-back, <laughs> Alex Gels, uh, Traor as well, uh, Pelistri. I mean, yeah, okay. <laughs> Realistically, you're looking at that and you're thinking, well, it's it's one of those strange situations, isn't it? Who's who's sort of pulling the strings there and, and dictating uh, the case of buying players in and getting rid of players as well. Uh, you know, it, it's obviously a hell of a lot going on behind the back scenes that we don't know about, and um, it's worrying if you're you know if you're a, a United fan. Um, uh, to be honest, you, you're very happy at the moment, by far and away.
0: Nathan Edison Carvani is on the, on the verge of signing but he wouldn't really have been one of United's first choice so it's a bit concerning to see a club besides the United struggling in the transfer market year after year
1: yeah it, it certainly is and, that, and that's the biggest issue for me Roy is that we all know look, things can go wrong in the transfer market deals can fall through and it can happen to anybody but this is a consistent thing at Manchester United for the past couple of years now and I don't like I like Cavani I like them uh, a couple of years ago, I think if this was three years ago, I'd be excited. Even at the age of 30, three years ago, I think yeah, okay, good, get Cavani in, especially as a free agent. But now, like it does, does there is a smell of just a panic boy, and even if not with a panic boy, like he's he's a total for option now at this stage. Like, is he going to start and at the Manchester United team? Probably not. He's missed a lot of time uh, last season at PSG. Like. Like you know, it going forward. You know, it's fun. three not really, well, they haven't really got going the season, but they're not really in doubt. Like no one's really doubting the abilities of Rashford, Greenwood, and Martial. So, to have someone like Cavani coming in with his his recent injury record and his age and his his wages too like it's not like this is a cheap free agent deal coming in. It just yeah, it just does smack up just panic and just desperation because like Peter said, they did they blatantly put all their eggs in one basket with Jadon Sancho. And now it's just come to a time where you got battered in the weekend. Just everyone looked horrendous in the weekend. You know, I know the defense was a shambles, but no Manchester United player could come off that pitch and be proud of their performance in the weekend. So it really is. It's just it's just really it's panic stations now are hitting in, and it's shown with that this is the big marquee signing. It's someone like Edison Cavani. Who, like I said, I'm a big fan, but it's probably three years too late on this one.
0: Yeah, I'm not too sure what is injury situation is if he's good to go I still think he could probably do something and I definitely think that they needed a centre forward and I definitely think they need experience as you've sort of hinted at there because the, the three players they have up front are are young lads and you, sometimes you need older players to just drag you along when things aren't going yeah. for you so uh, not, not too... Not too bad on that, but again, it's just the whole policy around what they're doing in, at United. And if you look at Van de Beek has come in, he's had, we, we talked about this last week, we, he's had Pogba as his attacking midfielder, Fernandes has come in, now Van de Beek's coming in. It's He's not even getting game time there. And you wonder if Oli uh, Gunnar Solskjaer, you wonder if he actually wanted Van de Beek in at all.
1: Yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because he bought him in and like he is the the best signing. You know, he got this window easily. And he's a very good player. And he's came in and he's done well, but he's for some bizarre reason, like he didn't start against Tottenham and he had a couple of decent games in the League Cup and you thought, Well, here we go, he's gonna kick on now and really start getting chances But yeah, as you as you said, he's he's just not getting much at all, like and uh he has like he has a lot to offer. He really does have a lot, lot to offer um in the as a as an midfielder, because. I know he, you know he probably could have looked at it more as a central defender, defensive midfielder this season. But again, it's someone that he did get in, someone that did he really need. Van der Beek, I'm not sure. But in fairness to the guy, he's came in and he's he showed it. He showed he's had moments early on. I know well, only a couple of games into the season, but he has showed little moments. He's he got a goal in his debut. Not really one that, if you look at how often he's playing yeah, maybe Solskjaer wasn't too... Keen, I wasn't, probably wasn't too keen on getting him in. I probably wasn't even the type of player that he wanted to get in because even going into the transfer window, obviously, he was all of talk about Sancho, but a lot of the pointed out was a left back, centre back, which they desperately need now, and a defensive failure. So, someone like Van der Beek probably wasn't in his plan.
0: I totally agree. I, I don't know why they were going for Sancho. I don't, I'm not sure they needed another player there. I don't yeah, know exactly. why they got Van de Beek in, although I would take Van de Beek over Pogba, so I'd nearly let Pogba go. But it definitely, they need two centre-backs, in my opinion, because I don't think Maguire is up to it. And seeing that at the weekend, he was atrocious. Uh, and, he's, and he's not a captain. He's, he's not a leader. There's nothing in there that's driving other team players on. So I do think that there's something wrong there. There's something not right. They're, they're not thinking about how the team is progressing and I think they're just looking for the, the name, you know, maybe to stick on the back of the jersey and, and, and sell that jersey. Peter, Jose Mourinho, on the other hand, would have smiled all the way back to London after getting one over his former club. How do you assess their team and the new faces they've brought in?
2: Um, At the moment, obviously, as you said, yeah, it was a terrific victory, wasn't it, over the weekend. I mean, uh... You know, you, you looked at that side and they looked like they were playing together as a team. Um, obviously, Kane, so on, et cetera, exceptional as always. Uh, yeah, I think realistically, so far, the signings that he's brought in, um, at the moment, are beginning to tick, um, you know, or as we always keep saying at the start of the season, it is early days yet, I know. Uh, only time will tell if all those signings are going to blend in together as well. But uh, you know. At the moment, they are starting to tick, and I think Mourinho is beginning to slowly but surely get the best out of uh, these signings as well, uh, Roy. But i I'm sorry, I, I just, I, in the case of Tottenham, I'd just like to see perhaps in the next few games, Roy, if they can produce that type of performance on a consistent basis. If they can produce that type of performance consistently, then. Yes, you'd have to say that all the players he's brought in, the way the team is playing at the moment, etc. Mourinho might have sort of waved his magic wand, so to speak, and got the best out of these guys as well. But like I say, to be fair, only time will tell with that. Harry Redknapp
0: (laughs) said tonight, if you ask me honestly, I think Spurs will make top four. I think they could even win the league this year. I know people are going to think that I'm crazy, but if you look at the squad, it looks like they're going to. it's going to be a very open year this year. Look what happened at the weekend. And I'm telling you, this is some squad that they've got. They've got cover in every position. They look really powerful. Is anyone going to upset the big two? He doesn't know. Go through that team and have a look at the squad. Go through the forward line of Son, Harry, Kane, Garrett Bale. Look at the strength they've got. They're full of midfield players. Defensively, they've got two right backs, two left backs. They could be scary. I think Tottenham are a danger. Peter, what do you think?
2: I wouldn't go as far as to <laughs> to, to, to tend to agree with what Harry Harry Redknapp says. Um, I, I, look, as I said, okay, yeah, it was a good result over the weekend, boy. But let's face it, um, United, to be fair, were champagne, weren't they? Um, um, all right, you know, at the end of the day, you can only play as good as what you can play and if your position are bad, you've got to punish them and to be fair, that's exactly what Tottenham did. I still go back to my original point. They've got, in my opinion, Roy, they've got to be more, uh, more consistent. Yes, I totally agree with what Harry Redknapp says. In positions, they've got to be fair. Yes, everything covered. But again, that's fine if they keep the consistency up. But remember how many times have Tottenham perhaps looked good in one or two games and then after that, they start going back to their normal ways and, and they are come unstuck against a side that probably they should be expected to beat. And that and that has been their problem in the past. So, if, as I said before, if they can get the consistency level right, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say, certainly, well, Harry Redknapp said about possibly going and winning the league. No, I don't think so, to be honest with you. Top four, possibly. But, again, I hate to sort of sound like a crumophone record, You know, it all boils down to that big word, Roy, consistency. I still think they're a a way off of actually being genuine Premier League contenders.
0: Yeah, Nathan, another team who have top four ambitions are Arsenal. They've made a good start to the season this year. Tonight, they triggered the £45 transfer clause for Thomas Partey. Uh, Paul Merson thinks it's cheap for the quality of player that the Gunners will be getting. What do you think of this one?
1: Yeah, it's um, it's, it's certainly a, a good a good a uh, number from 45 million. Like in in today's current market, you know, when he's played at such a high level under Diego Simeone at Go uh, Madrid for a while now. So, it would go along with me, I do think 45 million is a good number from, and it's probably the sort of signing that they need. Like it is, things are starting to to really develop at Arsenal under uh Mikel Arteta. I think we can agree with that. Uh, especially going forward, they have a lot of good Flair player players going forward, but I think this guy is going to offer them that little bit of a bite in midfield. That, not like, nothing they're missing, but that they, they would need, and they, they'd like, like to have to, uh, to go along with these Flair player attacking players going forward. they like like the uh, yangs Williams, Pepe. So, it's it's a shrewd sign, and for me it's a smart sign, and it's one that, um, I know they, they would have wanted to get it done sooner than they have, but... Yeah, it's one that just really makes sense to me. to go got a good start this season. You do have Danny Tobias in the middle, who I do like. I think he is a good player. So if you can partner them two up together, you might have something there. But even if you just went with him in the middle, uh, probably in a, the middle by himself as part of a, of a middle tree. Yeah, it, it just, it's just a really good sign to me and it just makes sense. It's a uh, shrewd bit of business by uh, Mickaël Arteta and Anselm.
0: Yeah, they seem to be doing good things there. Unfortunately, Nathan, they're stuck with uh, Meza Uzo. Still there on his three hundred and fifty grand a week.
1: I know, and he let go on go this morning as well. Like, <laughs> I don't know what one or what I have at the club. Um, and look, oh, and by all accounts, in fairness to it, to Uzo, he came out and said it. He said he's comfortable. He's comfortable sitting in the contract. If he's in, that's his intention to stay and just and just get paid to, to sit in the bench and not even sit on the bench and just be a part of that squad. It's a still, desperate lack all, of
0: ambition, though, isn't it?
1: Oh, look, we've talked about Ozil before. Like, it's He's definitely one of the players that you'd have to say. It's just, well, just disappointing for me. It's just just been a disappointment that he's time at Arsenal. Like he, and that's the annoying and the frustrating thing for me. Just as a football fan, you see him. You see him in glimpses and you see moments of brilliance and genius. So you know he has that in his locker. But then just some of the stu- just stupid things he does and says. and Now, like you said, it is just a complete lack of ambition. It's just... Well, I'm just going to collect the money while I can and he could easily go elsewhere and play regular football and be, be a big name if he went back to, to Germany or he went somewhere else in Europe or even went to the States or something he would be a big name and he'd be a big marquee signing but it's obviously just not something he wants he just wants to be sitting around collecting his wage and he'd the same then he'll toddle off somewhere on, on a free next season when his contract is up
0: Yeah, well, he's still there, he's still taking his money and I don't think that's going to change. Well, Liverpool's embarrassing performance against Aston Villa over the weekend conceding seven is the very reason that Dave isn't on the show tonight. He just couldn't face the music. He's in hiding. With Thiago and Giotta, they brought in real quality, but Peter, is it a goalkeeper that they really needed to back up Alisson?
2: Yes. (laughs) I think that showed, didn't it, at the weekend. Uh, be honest with you, Roy. Definitely, yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, I think that's got to be Jurgen Klopp's uh, main priority. You know, to be fair, has, has this been coming, Roy? I mean, let's face it. Since the restart um, at the back end of last season and at the beginning of this season, the Liverpool defence, to be fair, that back four hasn't looked particularly solid. Now, remember, at one time we were all praising, understandably so, Virgil van Dyke as being one of the best centre half in the world, but i tell you what, this season he hasn't looked like being one of the best centre-halves in the world by far and away, so it is a case I feel, yes, I think the priority is definitely a goalkeeper, you're right, well, you know, 100% spot on, I mean, at the moment, that, that, that has to be, I think, a big priority, it's fine getting in a good goalkeeper, but you've still got to have a good back four in front of you, and at the moment, they just don't look like the, the shadow of a side last season that obviously deserve to win the Premier League. And remember, Roy, they didn't concede many goals last season either. That's what you've got to remember. But no, this season, and
0: and Alexander-Arnold has been cut out badly this year, Peter.
2: He has, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was, you're right, and uh, yeah, I was going to actually come on to that. You're absolutely right. You know, last season, he looked a wonderful player. I mean, I'm not saying he isn't a wonderful player, he is a good player. But you're right, time and time again, he's getting caught out, isn't he? And to be fair, he, he, you know he isn't the only one either. No, I mean I'm not entirely putting the blame on him. But you are right; he is a he's a big key in that issue. Yes, he, he constantly gets caught out as well. And of course, once he gets caught out, Liverpool just looked very, very fragile at the back as well. And, and again, that isn't something I would have been saying probably almost a year ago. No, I mean I would have turned around and said, no, they all look solid. Yeah, it, it's it, it is a it's a big worry. Obviously, by far and away, because at the end of the day, a side like Liverpool just cannot keep conceding goals like they did, right, at the weekend. or I expect Liverpool fans would probably and Dave will probably turn around and say it's a one-off. Don't worry about it. You know, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Um, but realistically, I think you know you, you should start losing sleep over it because uh, that is it. that's clearly already this season is an issue. And it's a big issue. And it's something, as I say, it has got to be addressed very, very quickly, I feel.
0: What did you make of the game at the weekend, Pierre? What did you think was the the real stumbling block for Liverpool? Why were they so bad?
2: It's difficult difficult to say. I mean, I I suppose, if anything, um, I mean, mean, first of all, I think, Roy, you have to praise Aston Villa. I think they were terrific. Um, and, And the one thing that Aston Villa did that perhaps sides haven't done perhaps this season towards the end of last season is they weren't scared of Liverpool. Um, Whereas some sides perhaps when they've been facing Liverpool of late, they have been a little bit fragile, a little bit scared, a little bit uh, unsure about whether to attack them and obviously leave spaces, which to be fair, Liverpool's front three, as we all know, can expose time and time again. But one thing with Villa did, they they certainly, you know, they went for it straight away by far and away. And, and, you know, attack is the best form of defence, so to speak, isn't it? You know, go for it. Um, And that worried Liverpool. And obviously they, you know, from being, what was it, two, three down virtually within 40, sorry, four down, should I say, sorry, virtually within 40 minutes, that was it. You know, even with a a side like Liverpool, you could honestly say that's virtually game over, done and dusted by the first 45 minutes. Ollie Watkins, no, wonderful player, as we know, has come up from the championship. Probably proven himself already at this level. Uh, he had a few doubters, but no, I yeah. Like, I just feel, boy, as I say, they went for it right from the start. I expect Dean Smith turned around and said before the game, "Look, yeah, all right, you are playing the, the Premier League champions. Don't give them the ball. Just go for it. And at the end of the day, let's see what happens." And, and to be fair, that's that's exactly what they did, boy. Before everybody starts writing Liverpool off, let, you know, let, let's just sort of pause for breath and everything. It was bad. It was an awful, it was a shambolic performance. It, it was, you can say uh, with Manchester United as well, true. But at the end of the day, let's see, as I always tend to say, let's just see how they react from it as well. For once, you'd have to say Liverpool were totally, and I mean totally outclassed, right? from the first minute to the 90 plus minute and and that we wouldn't be sitting here talking about that sort of a liverpool side virtually a year ago no
0: nathan it was a great result for villa a great result for the whole planet really um they, it's been a good transfer <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a good transfer window that for them too i mean they've got watkins in who was uh, banging them in the championship like there was no tomorrow. You've got Barkley who came in. Who all of a sudden those two players have made Jack Grealish a little bit more confident, a little bit more. Well, hold on, maybe I don't have to do all the work here. I've got players around me now who who can share the workload. And all of a sudden now they've got a, a front three. I know Barkley's playing in behind, but they've got a, a, I think McGinn is there. He he playing. He's back and he's fit and he's raring to go. But they've got. Uh, they've got something about them now.
1: As, look, as much as we, we can sit here and say Liverpool were poor at the back, they were awful at the back, like Joe Gomez had one of the worst offensive performances I, I can remember in Premier League history. Uh, but credit to Aston Villa, every time they went forward, they looked dangerous. And they looked like they were either going to score or they were going to cause havoc to that Liverpool back four and to the, to the goalkeeper. And yeah, and that's, like, all of a sudden, it's crazy what a couple of uh, transfers can do. Where last year, you look at someone like Jack Reelish, he was um clearly the only person they were relying on when, when the going got like when the when the chips were down, you thought you you needed really to step up. But now yeah, he just he looked more free, like more confident about him. He, he sort of he had good, like, good even movement and there uh, plenty of times even near the box him and Ross Barkley had good one twos together and it's like the, the most You already have a good connection together. I don't know if they're a made through the England setup or anything, I'm not sure. And even someone like Ross Barkley who Again, I I think he's a good midfielder. Went to Chelsea. He's done okay. He's done fine. But uh, yeah, it just seems like it's be a good move from like him and Grealish. seem to ha- already have a good connection together in that midfield. And Oli Watkins, who uh, Peter said ha- had his doubters, I will admit, I I dealt with the guy. I thought it was crazy money for someone uh, in the Championship. But all of a sudden, he he's paid Aston Villa back already with this with a hat trick against Liverpool and a fantastic performance. And yeah. All of a sudden, Aston Villa have a have a midfield three that oh, it, I it, it, it lads going forward that could look like they'll cause big problems. They only survived uh, last season with the skin of Heat. So they, they've signed well. They've definitely had one of the better transfer windows uh, in the league.
0: Yeah, and Martinez in in goal has shored up that area then as well.
1: Yeah, I sort of felt a bit bad for him with Arsenal. He, he, he waited and waited and waited at his chance for Arsenal, and then Leno got injured, and he done brilliant. I think he's done absolutely fantastic. But look, I can understand Leno was a fantastic goalkeeper himself, and they like that's, that was Arsenal's big investment, so they're always on a go with that. But yeah, it's good to see someone like that coming in. Now he's not going to be sitting on the bench again for Arsenal. He's going to be Aston Villa's number one goalkeeper. Uh, like, no, just like you've seen now, the other goalkeeper, Nylan has left the club definitely going to be the number one go now so um, yeah it's a good sign and it's some good business overall for Aston Villa and if you're an Aston Villa fan you'll be excited for the for the season ahead
0: yeah they're not going to go and win the league but this de- definitely could be a hell of a lot no, better season no. and maybe more comfortable than last year Everton have also started flying this year and unlike the, the Uniteds of this world Carlo Ancelotti got business done early James Rodriguez, Decore, Allen and now, Peter, they've got a new defender from Norwich and they're eyeing up Roma goalkeeper Robin Olsen. Peter, they're kind of in good shape, aren't they?
2: Yeah, they're looking very good, as you say. I mean, I think we discussed Everton a while ago, didn't we? And we were saying about Rodriguez making a huge amount of difference. He certainly has. I mean, it's not just about Rodriguez. Uh, I like the look of Everton. Um, I think they've got a good strength in depth as well. You're right. They've added today with uh, Norwich defender uh, Ben Godfrey for 30 million, which I think is a is a good move, and I think again that's good uh, money in relation to what Carlo Ancelotti uh, has, has spent there. Obviously, goalkeeping that seems to be possibly their one doubt at the moment, Roy. I mean, Jordan Pickford, by far and away, hasn't looked the player that he was. Remember, Jordan Pickford virtually over a year ago was people were saying really should be England's number one keeper. Well, lately, you'd have to uh, backtrack on those comments. He hasn't looked particularly safe and secure at the moment. So I think that could be a bit of a worry. But uh, if the deal from Roma goes through, as you say, with uh, Robin Olson as well, I mean, that will give Pickford uh, competition. Perhaps he wants a bit of competition. I'm not too sure. But at the end of the day, you know, if they get him as well. But yeah, so I, I just think... Overall, they do look exceptionally good. They look like a, a unit, they look like a side that have been playing together for probably two or three seasons. Whereas in the past, you, you wouldn't say that uh, about an, an Everton lineup. So, yeah, um, I mean, I like the centre back pairing, obviously. Um, Michael Keane, Minow, as well, obviously, both really good in the air. Excellent tacklers, yeah. So I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, I think Angelotti already again. I know we keep saying this wonderful word. It's early yet, which it is. But look, you know, realistically, um, they do look a very, very good side as well. And, and of course, Seamus Coleman, I think he's done exceptionally well uh, since the restart as well uh, for Everton. So yeah, you know, I mentioned earlier about strength and depth. I mean, that's that's a key. Point there. You know, you look at this side; it 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 balances well. It's got strength in all positions. Whether or not they can carry on this particular form, only of course, you know, we'll have to wait and see in the near future. But you can tell Angelos isn't going to sit back and look at this squad and say, "No, that's fine. I'm happy with it." After today, as we say, he's already beginning to make a couple of additions, possibly more in transfer windows to come, Roy. But yeah, at the moment, they are looking.
0: Certainly the perfect package. And Nathan calvert is he's turned from yeah. a boy into a man, hasn't he? And, and he has been outstanding this year.
1: And in fairness as well, I think he's really paying back uh, the, the trust An- Ancelotti has given him. Because going into the season and going into the transfer window, I thought that was a position that everyone would, would have had to get somebody in. I thought he needed to get in like a 15-goal-a-season striker. Well, obviously, Ancelotti's saying something in Cavaloon, and in fairness to the guy, even physically, you can see the past, even from last season, he's he's beefed up a bit, he's got bigger, he's obviously, he's he's, he's getting, he's like not getting older, but he's not a, a young teenager anymore, he's really come, starting to come into his own physically now, and it's, it's paying off big time, and you can see, yeah, like Peter said, like obviously with strikers, and with young guys, confidence is such a big issue. So, to see a player that is just happy to be going out onto the pitch and scoring freely, and paying back the manager for the trust it's great to see and again it's another player that you might have thought could have fallen into obscurity a little bit if he didn't get going but he seems to be a different animal completely this season yep. Nathan
0: any other transfers to that you thought was interesting t- uh, today and you um, maybe even a couple of teams that missed out on players
1: one that sort of uh, raised my eyebrow a little bit is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. There's talk about Ruben going on loan to Fulham, making the short journey from Chelsea to Fulham. Now, there's a couple of things that I'm finding strange about this one. First of all, it's that it's not the player Fulham needs. Like Fulham's defence so far this season has been very bad. They've, uh, it's only one game. They lost 1-0 the last time out. That's the only game they haven't conceded three or more goals in. So, to be looking at somebody like... Like uh, Loftus Cheek, for me it's not really the one I thought. I know that they've been linked with one or two centre halves, Scott Parker has, but it's the be really not putting all eggs in one basket, but giving a lot of efforts towards getting uh, Ruben Loftus Cheek in, and he is a very good player. He, he, he probably won't get into that Chelsea team this season. It's just too packed with the midfield at the moment, and Loftus Cheek has struggled with injuries last season. So for me, it's one that. While it is a good marquee signing and get in, and it's a good name value player to get, in. it's just not one they really need at the moment. Plus his wages, he's only like 150 uh, grand a week, which already is is seeming like a bit of a sticking point for the deal at Fulham, and it's something that they're going to have to have to get down in the in the short the short time remaining. Whether that be doing a a, a, a 50 of split with Chelsea on the wages, or just getting the wages down, I'm not sure. But for me it's not really the, the the sort of player I think Fulham should be looking at at the moment.
0: Yeah, and what about Jack Wiltshire? He's out of West Ham.
1: Yeah, the West Ham, we talked about Meadows Ozil being disappointing This this guy. Is just, but you have to feel for him, you know, we really do, we showed it in Spells at Arsenal. Obviously, injuries really, really destroyed him. And even at Bournemouth, he impressed me at Bournemouth in Spells too, but he just hasn't got going at all at West Ham. Supposedly, he's fit, he, he, he put, released a statement saying he's fit and he's healthy, but, because down to the manager, David Moyes obviously just doesn't feel he, he he offers anything to West Ham going forward, so it's understandable, you know. So where does he go now? Like, does, he, does he drop down to back to, to the Championship? Does he drop down back to Bournemouth where he had a bit of success? Would he go up to the SPL? Possibly join uh, Stephen Gerrard at Rangers? Again, it all comes down to wages. Like he's on a decent wage, so it'd be trying to trying to find the right place for him. I don't know if he we, if we can probably go back to a lower lower side in the Premier Division at the moment. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, it's just a shame for the guy. It really is. It's been such a stop-start career and he's 28 now and well he still has a couple of years ahead of him, it's just it's just another setback for the guy that probably didn't need it at the moment.
0: Yeah. Uh, Peter Rafinha to Leeds.
2: Yeah, that seems to be the main talk over here, Roy, in particular. Um, he, he's an exciting winger. And um, I think he would settle in very well at Leeds, actually. In particular, uh, he's got that Brazilian flair as, as well. <laughs> uh, he he comes from uh, Rennes, playing for Rennes uh, at the moment. Like I say, he's Brazilian, true. But yeah, they reckon 20 million by all accounts. So, which realistically, I think again would be good money well spent, in particular as well, Roy. So yeah, um, I think he would be an exciting player to add Premier League. And let's face it, Leeds, you can't call them boring, can you? You know, you you can call them an exciting unit. It could be some good business uh, for Leeds there with uh, uh, Rafina. I hope I got the pronunciation right. Probably not. (laughs) I think it's that, anyhow.
0: Yeah, and it's an interesting one because Leeds are so interesting, especially after the the, the draw over the weekend, which you thought that you were going to steamroll them after they got the first one. But Leeds are dogged and... Uh, maybe paid a little bit too much respect, but they they definitely have something about them. And how I said it, it's a little bit open the league this year and it it could be anyone's, but I just don't feel that Man City have that. I don't think they have that consistency and I do think Liverpool will get that back. Okay, Nathan, uh, we're going to finish up soon, but there's a couple of ones just uh, popping through. Uh, Theo Walcott, who has been in and out at Everton, has uh, looking to make a return back to Southampton?
1: Yeah, the place where we, um, he made his name before making the move to Arsenal in 2006. Oh, do we all know that. The, the longevity and success he's had, had at Arsenal. But he seems sort of sober to requirements at the moment, doesn't he? Everything, like we've talked about, for me, everything, I've probably done the best business in the market this, this uh, season. You've looked at the midfield last season and he really added and really both to that. Which leads the likes of Theo Walcott, who's now 41 himself, Leaving them down with the fringes and gonna leave him out in the cold a little bit, so it's a good move for him. It's a move that it obviously keeps him in the Premier League at a, at a decent standard too. Like nobody's really talking about Southampton being a relegation threat side. You'd imagine they'd be mid table, probably around ten to fifteen position in, in that sort of ballpark. So for Walcott at this period of time in his career and the level that he's that we've seen in player uh everything last season, it's probably a good move for him and it's, it's a good nice um, Nice feel going with with home back to the club where he made his name where you'd imagine he would probably finish out his career at Southampton. It and it'd be a nice way to bring a full circle.
0: Yeah. Was it Sheffield United who got Brewster in?
1: It was Sheffield United. He got him in for twenty million. That's a it's, big
0: that's a big good, fee, isn't it, for someone who hasn't yeah. really done it yet.
1: Again, like good player. I watched him last season at Swansea and he was terrific, absolutely terrific. But in fairness to Liverpool League the he can sort of get these fees in. Like they got a big fee in for Slanky as well, who didn't do an awful lot at Liverpool. He got it for Bournemouth last season. And now they've got one in here for um, for Brewster heading off to Sheffield uh, United. And look, while is a good player, like I said, he is very unproven, especially in the Premier League. And especially at a side at, um, at Sheffield, where he is going to be looked upon for goals. Because we've talked about plenty of times about the attributes that David McGoldrick wins to any team he's in. But a lot of them attributes are hard to play. They're not goals. So I know he's scored in the weekend, but on a consistent level and on a consistent basis, you're not going to get plenty of goals there with McGoldrick. So we will really be looking at guys like Brewster really bringing the goals. And well, he got he got a, got a few for Swansea City last season. It's a big step up, and it's, it's a step up for a side that Sheffield United done really well last year. A lot of us hadn't expecting them to quite reach them heights, and a lot of us expecting them to even struggle perhaps. So it's a lot of pressure on the kid going in, you know, he's still only a young man, he's still only 20, so there's a lot of pressure on the guy going in with that free hand over his head and surely that's going to play a factor, you know, like that's going to play a factor on him knowing that he's he's been that big marquee money signing this this window, so, but best of luck to him, I, I, liked what, I, I have liked what I've seen of him play, but it, it could be one that might be, it might be a lot lot on the guy, a lot of pressure on the guy's shoulders like that is he ready for, I'm not sure. Yeah, I know. I have to say, it's a
0: it's a big one, but he'll get his chances at Sheffield United because, as you said, yeah. they haven't been foreign in all centers. And even last year, I think they had, a, I don't know if it was 12 wins. Anyhow, they had 10 1 0 victories, which really shows that they, they, if they don't score, First and if they concede that they're unlikely to get those points this year so they really do need someone to bang the goals in but they're actually playing well watch the game against Arsenal they're, they're playing well they're just they're just starting to concede now and they need to sort of sh- shut up shop so maybe this inter- international break now uh, will will help them out uh, just want to finish off on, on, on a result at the weekend because I think it's only fair to, to mention that West Ham 3 Leicester 0 which was a- a- astonishing to see, especially after they, they beat Wolves 4-0 the week before. And if anything, it, it, it just proves that David Moyes should not be allowed back in the club and should be managing from home uh, for the rest of the season because it, it it they're two unbelievable results.
1: Yeah, it really is. It's, um, unfortunately for Moyes, it's not the best look, is it? The two games he, he was stuck at home, they, uh, they, done, they done really well in. Um, I didn't see this win a call coming against Leicester. I'm sure I'm not. I'm sure that's not um, a groundbreaking statement to me. But um, it really, really impressed me, I have to say. And I'm really starting. Like know he's not the youngest guy in the world, but I'm really starting to like uh, the look of uh, Michael uh, Antonio up top for them. I think he brings a lot of physicality to them that they have been missing in the past couple of years. Him and uh, Bowen too. That he brought. I think he brought him in from Hull City, boy, was it? Yeah, were in from that's
0: right, Hull. Yeah,
1: and it sort of shows, doesn't it, that. There is these good guys available down in the lower leagues that you can dip into the pond and bring them up to the Premier League and are going to be ready. Like all of a sudden, like, he's I know he's he's there since last season too, but he made a real impact last season. And Antonio was another guy that has struggled for goals on a consistent basis throughout his whole tenure at West Ham, and he only started to really bring that side of his game in last season, especially towards the back end of last season. And to see him carrying over and getting a goal here against Leicester, it's good to see. And it's 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 a really big result for them it's a big statement for them too again it's a side that had very little hype going into this season and another side that a lot of people honestly including myself thought he'd struggled now we've said it plenty of times here it's early days but good results and it's a a good big statement for them too beating a side like Leicester City uh, away from home so it's it was For me, it was probably the most... Like, now, we had impressive results from like Aston Villa and the likes, but it was one of the most impressive results of the weekend. And one of the probably more underrated results, considering the way uh, Tottenham Hotspur beat United and the way Aston Villa beat Liverpool. It's one that went under the radar, really, but it's really impressive, I have to say.
0: Yeah, well, as it stands, the top four consists of Everton top on 12 points in Villa, Leicester and Arsenal. Uh, second, third and fourth on nine points I just have a feeling that it's not going to end that way but it's certainly making for an interesting start to the season Nathan I think we'll leave that there there'll be a few deals confirmed by the time people get to listen to this so it should be interesting the international break is on this week so that's something else I know the Republic of Ireland are playing Slovakia uh, who have Scotland got? Have they got Israel? I it's off the top of my head. It's either them or Northern Ireland. But there's uh, three big games there. Hoping, hopefully they can uh, qualify and get through to the European Championships. And then hopefully they're on next year. So <laughs> it's hard to know what's going on. But, uh, one, yeah, step
1: at a time, one step at a time. That's
0: exactly it. Listen, Nathan, thanks very much for your time. And of course, Peter as well, who had to jump ship there a second ago. But uh, he'll be back again next week. Talk to you next week.